0: From the traditional and ancestral lands of the West people, bordering on the land of the Lekwungen people. I'm Michelle Seely, and this is Amazing Places. Hello and welcome to Amazing Places podcast. We're here today with Carl Jensen. He is the former athletic director of the Victoria Highland Games. You may know him also as a counselor with Central Saanich. He's here today to talk about the Victoria Highland Games, and quite excited to have Mon on as it's approaching next month, I believe. I guess my first question is, Carl, how did you get involved in the Victoria Highland Games? I understand there's a little bit of serendipity involved.
1: Well, thanks for asking, Michelle, and, and I have to thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here with you today talking about the upcoming 159th Victoria Highland Games and Celtic Festival coming up on the Maylong weekend at Topaz Park. I often get asked, well, how did you get started? How did you end up tossing telephone poles, stones, hammers, and weights? Well, it's actually a pretty interesting story. Back in 2005, I had no idea what the Highland Games were. I had no idea about heavy events. I didn't even know what a caber was. And I came home from work on a Friday It was a Friday afternoon in Central Saanich, and those of you on the Saanich Peninsula will appreciate we receive our free Peninsula News Review. And it was serendipitous because sometimes through whatever fault, the paper doesn't even show up sometimes. That's the beauty of a free paper. Sometimes you get it, other times the wind picks up and blows it throughout the neighborhood and and you don't see it. But on this particular occasion, it was very important because there was a photo on the cover, on the title, that caught my attention. And it was a man with a caber, what I would learn is a caber. It's the tree, it's the telephone pole, and he was wearing a kilt. And I thought, wow, that looks kind of interesting. What's he doing? I would go on to read an article in the, in the news review that talked about the upcoming Victoria Highland Games. Now, this was back in 2005, and the games back then were just a single-day event held at Bullen Park in squabble. And the article would go on to say, it talked about all the activities, and it mentioned then about the heavy events. And I thought, heavy events? Well, that sounds kind of cool. And at the bottom, it said, novice is welcome. And it had the email address for Jim Maxwell, the president of the Highland Games Association. Well, I shot Jim an email. And I said, Jim, I'm, I just read about your Highland Games. I'm interested in, in checking it out. I said, Can I? is there still room for me to come out? And Jim responded and said, Carl, it's a, it's a walk-on event. You're welcome to attend. Come on out. So sure enough, I went out that Sunday to the 2005 Victoria Highland Games, and I walked on the field. I was wearing what later would, I would be mocked for what they called my Walmart kilt. It was denim shorts. I didn't fit in totally with my attire because I didn't have a kilt on. But when I looked around at the other men on the field, I realized I was amongst my peer group. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've ever met me in person, you realize I'm not built for synchronized swimming or figure skating I'm built to move heavy objects and I saw these men and I realized wait a minute this this I I fit in with this group and I would then go on to compete in my first ever Highland Games having never touched the implements before and I literally went through and competed in the full roster of events now when you go to the Highland Games it's not like track and field. You don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to just do your favorite events. No, you get to do them all because oh. otherwise people wouldn't do the really hard events, which is what I would learn about. So that was how I got involved and, and I got involved, competed as a novice. And what I realized was there were about six novices like myself, people that are just touching the implements for the first time. And then there was a group of about six amateur level athletes, who had all come over from the lower mainland. And right away, I fell in love with the sport. I mean, whether it was the ability to toss a stone or a hammer or a caber, and I just fell in love with this. Nice. But then I realized that nobody else was doing it in Victoria. And I and it's not like you can go to a sports check and, and get a caber in, in aisle three. This is the kind of thing that, yeah, it's kind of an acquired thing. So I literally went out and found myself a rock. There's not a lot of specifics to a Highland Games rock. It just needs to be big. And I found a rock and I just started practicing with the rock. I would go down to the beach at Island View Beach and I would look for straightish pieces of driftwood on the beach and I would try to toss them like a caber. Now wow. they would be a little splintery. But <laughs> anyway, so that was my beginning. And, and from there, I, I got involved. Then I, I joined the association and I became their athletic director. I think by, by 2006, I think... Jim Maxwell has successfully roped me in as athletic director and I've been involved with the association ever since. And, and really it's, it's been amazing to watch its progress from what was then a one day event at Bullen park to now it's two day event at at Topaz park and involves thousands of spectators, athletes from around the world. Since then we we've hosted two world championships, a Canadian championships, and we've been able to grow this as a sport in the community. Now I'm proud to be part of a local group of athletes that's out training every Sunday, preparing for the Highland Games.
0: That's a lot of effort and love of a sport to put in the practice every single Sunday.
1: Well, now they're practicing. I'm not saying I'm out every Sunday, (laughs) but there's a group. And we used to train. We had a, a field out by the airport. And if you ever drove by on a Sunday, you might have seen us. It was just in the shadow of the tower at the airport, right by the cadets' hall. And we found a piece of land that wasn't really very pristine. It wasn't very pretty. I think the only thing that happened on there was dog walking and dog poop pickup. So it was a perfect spot for us to toss our implements around. We started training back then. Over the years, I would end up scaling back a little my involvement. That's why I'm, Michelle mentioned I'm the, the former athletic director. When I became a counselor in Central Saanich, I had to dial things back a little. So I became a, a helper to the now athletic director Ray Shohovich so my role isn't as directly involved but on the weekend of the games if you've ever been the guy on the mic that doesn't have the Scottish accent MC well that's me then you've seen me in action as as I tend to be the MC for the weekend I try to throw as well as a master's thrower but if you see me that's me in action on the weekend and coming up I will be there all day Saturday all day Sunday on the mic and trying to do a bit of throwing in between myself.
0: So I guess we have Peninsula News Review to thank for this legacy that you're leaving at the games. I, it's,
1: it's amazing. If, if wow. what if I had not seen it? I, there's a whole chapter of my life now that I that I look back on very fondly. Yeah. And it it just it you talk about that serendipitous moment of what if I had that day? What if the paper arrived upside down and flipped over and I just took it didn't see it? Who yeah. knows? The kids could have moved anyways it's it's a chapter of my life that that i'm grateful for the opportunity to connect with and and get to meet people like jim maxwell is still the president of the association and you talk about someone who's got passion for for that sport and that event in victoria it's incredible i can think back to years where usually by the sunday night of the weekend we're just utterly exhausted from a jam-packed weekend and i remember one occasion we had a cube van and there was a ramp up to it to, to get into. And, and I was literally laying on the ramp and I was just done. I had nothing left. And, and Jim came along and says, Jim, what? And Jim says, Carl, what's the matter? I said, Jim, I, I'm, I'm tired. And Jim says, Carl, he says, you've got the passion. You just need a little bit more to get through the day. And he got me motivated to keep going. And, and that's <laughs> the person that leads the charge. And he is the lead passion behind that games. And so I've had a chance to get to know him. And I remember years ago, him saying to me, Carl, you're in for this for the long haul, I hope, aren't you? (laughs) I said, well, Jim, we'll we'll see about that. And well, that was about 15 years ago. And and I'm still there and uh, (laughs) finding ways to get involved with the association. If you've ever been, they put on a a Highland Christmas fling in Esquimalt. Well, Uh pre-COVID, they put it on Esquimalt for their members. And it's a dance competition that's held in December. And if if any of your listeners have been to that, you might remember a certain jolly character in red who visits who might have some striking resemblance to your guests that you've got on the on the podcast
0: at the moment. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, <laughs> that's great. It's not only a multicultural event for spectators and attendees, but also for the competitors. I- was reading up on the history of the games. And in 1957, Yugoslavian born athlete from Vancouver, John Pavlic, uh, he excelled in the heavy events and was the top man for the greatest number of aggregate points in all the events. And he not only threw the shot put uh, Canadian record distance of 52 feet and one inch, which just boggles my mind, But he earned the nickname instead of John Pavlich, he became Mac Pavlich, which is a lovely nod to uh, a Scottish name. And at those same games in 1957, Betty Chan from Saskatoon captured the dancing aggregate for under 11. And it seems that this continues today and that the games are not limited to those of Scottish lineage. There's no national or racial boundaries for the skill and agility required to compete in the Highland Games. And obviously, nor the enjoyment that's derived by the competitors and spectators alike. So that leads me to ask, are you yourself Scottish, Carl?
1: I have a bit of Scottish in me. I'm uh, of German descent as well. But ah. the beautiful thing about the Highland Games is that everybody's welcome. Right. We have a saying that we like to say is, when you come to the Highland Games for the weekend, everybody can be Scottish. Ah. And that allows you to immerse yourself within the culture. And one of the really unique things about the Highland Games is it's not just one event. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is it's not just an athletic event, the heavy events. Now, I'm a little biased in that case, and I have a substantial love for that portion of it. But there's other aspects. Not only has that grown over the years where it's become world-class that we are seeing as one of the premier Highland Games heavy events competitions in North America, but you've also really raised the level of other aspects. You look at the pipe bands. They say that if you can have one grade one level pipe band, that's the top level pipe band at your games, you're doing something well. There was one year where not only did we have SFU, which is a, top level pipe band, but we also have the LA Scots. We had two tier one pipe bands playing there. My so it goes, well, it goes to show how it's grown in, in all aspects. We've taken on a drum major competition that's become next level as well, attracting top level competitors. So it's it's all aspects of it. And, and really the beauty of it is from the heavy events to the pipe bands, to the dancing, to the whiskey tastings, the scotch pies, eating of haggis. And and in the kids' area, I think you can even toss the haggis as well. No, that doesn't happen after you eat the haggis. That's two separate events. But it's all part of it. And, and the beauty of it is, is that this weekend, you get to do it all. And I mean, you can go to an athletic event, or you can go to a dancing event, or you can go to a whiskey tasting. But there aren't many times, especially in Victoria, where all aspects of a culture come together in one event for mm-hmm. the weekend and so really it's an immersion within the Scottish culture it's a recognition of it I mean our games themselves 159 years in a row this games has happened it's the longest running consecutive Highland games in Canada we didn't break for COVID we they they didn't and I say they as I'm I'm getting older but I'm not that old they didn't break for the world wars the games continue, and mm-hmm. even through COVID during the lockdown we had a live streamed edition where we held the games out at Craigflower Manor and we could only have 50 people on the field because of public health orders and we literally ran a games that was live streamed through Czech TV to approximately 25,000 people around Victoria recognizing that we didn't want that streaked in we wanted to keep it going and, and it was important to us to keep that moving and we're excited that 159th is coming up that means next year our, our 160th games. I still remember back to the 150th, which itself was a fantastic event. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, we had a a member of the Royal family visit the games. We had, I think, what was probably the last live concert ever from Spirit of the West was that weekend. And it was just really a special weekend to recognize that. And here we are already nine years later and starting to already think about our 160th. So it's amazing the longevity of the games. and, And really, it comes down to passionate people like Jim, And what he's done is he's built a brilliant board of volunteers and he finds people that are passionate about each aspect of the game. And he's smart Mm -hmm. in that. He doesn't say, hey, Carl, can you run the dance competition? Because Jim knows that that's not going to go well. He's got ex-dancers that have a passion for that. When it comes to the whiskey tasting, he knows that I'm more of a craft beer guy. So he's not going to ask me to lead a whiskey session because he's got an expert in that. So he's Mm -hmm. really been able to bring together champions of the various disciplines and he, and he leaves us alone to kind of run our own little events within the games which allows us to make sure that they're fantastic events for for the spectators and the people of victoria
0: that does sound like an amazing leader to bring all those potentially disparate groups or people together and and have this one amazing event for over an entire weekend
1: yeah it's it's been fun to be part of i've had a chance to go see other games around north america and it's mm-hmm. definitely one of my favorites it's it's hard to beat the venue i mean the topaz park venue is is a beautiful setting right. with large grassy fields but the tall tall trees in the background it's going to look a little bit different this year for those of you that have been before city of victoria has you may have noticed a little construction at topaz park and they're adding a, i believe a skate and bmx park to the upper area so we're going to be right. moving the heavy events down to a lower part of the field. So it's going to look a little bit differently, but we're still going to try and bring just as much of an amazing event to our viewers and attendees as they've come to appreciate. And we're really excited to get back to an in-person games. I mean, it was, it was fun to live stream the games, but it's not the same when you don't have the crowds there. Right. If, if you've been there, you know that the, the sight of one of our athletes turning, we've got a caber. Now, caber is one of the heavy events. This is the one, the telephone pole, the tree, the log, whatever you want to call it. We've got one of the ugliest, nastiest cabers in North America. It's so big, it's so heavy, but it's really technically tricky to turn as a caber. Only two men have ever turned that caber. And it was, you talk about lineage and heritage. It wasn't a Scotsman that turned the caber. It was an Englishman and an American. So there you go. When you talk about other nationalities being welcome and encouraged to attend, these are the two men, and if you've seen the games, they were two very differently built men. Mm-hmm. One of them was Scott Ryder from England, and he's an ex, he was, a, I believe, a sprinter with the, the English Olympic team, wow. and so he had the speed, and that's one of the things you need to turn a, a very big technical caber is the speed. To move while carrying this caber that's about, this one's about 125, 130 pounds, it's about 21 feet long, but it's really tricky because it has no taper to it. It's, it's almost as thick throughout. And what that means is there's the weight is evenly distributed throughout the, the, the caber, which makes it technically very challenging to turn because ultimately as a caber tosser, you want the end of the tree, the one that's up in the air, not in your hands, to be heavy because then when you go to toss it, that weight is going to pull the caber over and flip it but when the weight is evenly distributed, almost through the whole log, very tough to turn. And so this caber is literally, two men have turned it. So the sound the crowd makes when this caber gets turned is pretty epic, it's amazing. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, quite frankly, turning any caber is very impressive. But when they turn the big one, We've even named it the W.J. Maxwell Challenge Caber. And and when it gets turned, (laughs) Jim Maxwell has to pay money. He has to pay out a bounty on it. And so every year, I think he's kind of happy when it doesn't turn because he gets to keep his money in his wallet. But when those (laughs) athletes are in town, he gets a little bit worried because he may have to shell out some extra money for that caber. But it goes to show you that that's the kind of live event that we've tried to mimic that virtually or with smaller events at the Craigflower Manor. But as you will know or appreciate if you've been there, it just isn't the same without, without the thousands of people right. yelling and screaming at, at these athletes, men and women that, are, that just come and put on a fantastic show year after year.
0: Yeah, I know the crowds and, and trying to get in. There is one thing too, that's so popular and you're right. People come from all over the place, not just the competitors, but the uh, attendees as well, the spectators come from all over the place just for this event. It's wonderful. And yes, there is really something for everyone, isn't there? Like there's things for children, there's things for the adults. And if you like the food or the, the whiskey better, or you want the events, it's all sorts of things. So if you're a dance enthusiast, it's just so many things to see and do there. And in true Scottish fashion, I understand the games go ahead, rain or shine, doesn't matter.
1: You're correct. It can affect the, I'm not going to
0: lie, the, in Victoria, we can be a
1: little bit finicky around our weather. I'm not going to lie. But yes, the games go on rain or shine. What that may affect is how many people we see in the stands watching mm-hmm. us. We've, we've yeah. seen very large crowds in the sunshine and in the rain. I'm not going to lie. The crowds get a little bit smaller. But in true Scottish fashion, we have evolved. There's more tented sites around the games. We've come a long way from the day of little... Uh, 10 by 10 pop-up tents that used to litter the field now we've got these the full-on commercial grade tents we have uh, now we'll see with the with the new field but for those of you that attended before you'll remember last time we had two beer gardens we the one that was on the side of the heavy events field it was a 400 seat beer garden with uh, most of it under cover of the tents so not to fear if the rain is there the games are going to go on We've had sponsorships from Lighthouse Brewing Company. They actually, Lighthouse actually brews a special beer just for the Highland Games, the Highland Challenge Ale. And they brew that every year just for our Highland Games. And so there's a, a chance for you to check that out, enjoy that in the beer gardens. They used to sell it, but I think they've just now put it into kegs. But that's one of the really special features of the Games. If you love your BC Craft beer like I do, then you have a chance to have some limited edition beer that is brewed just by Lighthouse every year for that game. So they're kind of our title sponsor of the heavy events. And that's why one of our fun events that we like to do at the very end of the Games with the athletes, once once the formal Scottish events are over, then we do a Lighthouse Brewing Company empty keg toss. And we get these athletes and and they take an empty lighthouse beer keg and you'd be amazed how far they can launch this beer keg it's it's impressive to watch these athletes throw so it's yeah rain or shine we're there it uh, it gets a little bit dicey out there especially with the, the caber it being as you can imagine wood gets a little bit slippery so the caber mm-hmm. turning is maybe not quite as impressive in the rain but the athletes uh, we still have just as much fun because it's it really it's it's a chance for us to get together sometimes it's people that we only see at highly games when you see that the elite and pro men and women. You've got athletes from across North America. And one of the great things about this sport is you're not going to see another sport that has more camaraderie between the athletes. I mean, these are, these are athletes that are paid to be there. They're competing for prize money, but they're like old friends and, and they're so supportive of each other. I mean, there might be a little bit of friendly trash talk, but it's all in good spirits and it's all about supporting each other. And with this, it's, it's fun to see. And, and so you see athletes that for some of them, they only see each other at these games. So they get, they go to the big games around North America. And so it's a chance for for them to see them. We have the same, I mean, we have amateur athletes uh, often coming up from the United States this year where we, I, we know at least one is on the roster, an old friend that comes up from, from Washington. So we're looking forward to seeing him up there. So we're, we're going to see what it does but it's amazing to watch. I mean, the caliber of sport has really enlarged from where we were. We had a couple of years ago, one of our female elite athletes uh, set a new world record at our games. so That oh, was cool. really cool to see. We've had athletes try for world records, but this was a day where actually a, a, one of our female athletes set a new world record, which was a big deal. And, and so mm-hmm. that, that usually then involves you got to pull out the metal tape and make sure that it's legit, that the distance is legit. Then you have to get your implement weighed at the post office to verify the weight of the implement, make sure it's certain weight. So really amazing to see the level of athletes that we're seeing come to our, to our city. But also it's been fun to watch with the growth of athletes at the amateur level within Victoria how that level of competition has come up and so we've come a long way from from my days in my value village or walmart kilt of showing up and literally just touching the implements and trying now we have literally clinics that happen year-round for athletes that oh. are interested in trying the events and they have a chance to, to see what they think of it before showing up for in actual games
0: oh well, that's really interesting and how do people find out about that
1: uh, through the website the victoria highland games website there will be a link there for the athletic director his name okay. is ray Shohovich. and you've got a way that you can reach out to him via email and okay. Uh, okay. if you're interested in trying it definitely shoot him an email and uh, and he'll let you know when when a novice clinic is coming up and a chance for you to come out and uh, at least give the weights a bit of a, a touch and see and feel before before you show up on on a saturday or sunday of the games and uh, With thousands of people watching? (laughs) In front of thousands of people, yeah. It can be a little bit of extra pressure. Some people thrive on it, but not everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, we will put a link to the Highland Games website and probably specifically to the athletic director as well so that you can find out more that way. I absolutely understand now why Mr. Maxwell has people that are passionate about a certain field, uh, no pun intended, of the Games in charge of the different aspects of it because you seem so enthusiastic and so passionate. You are like a wonderful spokesperson for being involved as a volunteer. You've certainly convinced me I need to get there next month. I need to be there.
1: Oh, you, you have to be there. There's, you have... It's with the departure of the Luxton pro rodeo there's really no excuse honestly i now i know may long weekend is when people like to go camping but you know what you can go camping any other weekend like let's be honest come on this is beautiful vancouver <laughs> island where we can we can almost legitimately camp and i know a few of you are out there in, in your in your motorhomes. anyways you could do that any month of the year so don't tell me this is the only weekend you can go camp we have other long weekends too I mean, hey, there's Easter weekend, there's July. For, so, really, it's no excuse. Uh, and the parade is Monday. So, now that the, the games are Saturday, Sunday, parade's Monday, I don't mm. see any real excuse, to be honest with you, Michelle. There's, there's no reason not to be there. And quite frankly, now that we've kind of really brought this out, if I if I don't see you there, I'm going to be a little bit bummed. I'm going to say, what the heck? <laughs> I, I, and now, maybe you'll come there, and you, you don't want to watch the heavy events, and that's fine. I mean, there's other stuff. I mean, the Kilted Mile could be fun. I, I mean, you've got athletic running type people that go and run a mile in kilts. I, but I, I'll warn you now, I don't think they're topless. So so I want to set clear expectations of what to expect that they'll probably have shirts on. But I don't know. I, I can't guarantee that. but it's but again, it's there's no excuse and, and as as Michelle said, it's fun for the whole family. Bring the little kids. I mean, there's yeah. little mini heavy events. I think there's some face painting, bouncy castle, stuff like that. It's fun for the whole family. And like I said, come along and, and you can join us and we can all be Scottish for the weekend.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a plan. And besides, on the May long weekend, all the campsites around the province are completely booked up anyway. There are no spaces, people. Just come to the games. That's all you've yeah, got to do. There's yeah, come, no choice to anyway. Games.
1: You can, you go camping another weekend. That's, that's uh, there we've, we've declared it. That's, <laughs> uh, there's no good excuses left. The the rodeo's left town. So now you've got nothing left. You might You, you should come to the games. Cause that's where everybody else in Victoria is going to be.
0: Right. I'm going to make sure that I am. And I'm going to make sure that you see me there because I do not want to be in your bad book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It, it should be an, another fa- fantastic weekend. One of the things that I get asked about that has become a regular fixture for the Victoria Highland games, which is not happening this weekend, the tilted kilt pub crawl um. will not be happening this, this year. It's due to planning and, and being unsure of the situation with COVID, right. but it's certainly something that would the, the association will be taking a look at next year. Uh, for those of you that have attended it's it's and for those of you that have not, it's basically to sum it up: it's 240 people on four different teams roaming around downtown Victoria, going to the Barden Banker, the Irish Times, the 8th Street Tap House, and winding up the Strathcona for a lot of fun you've got we're on a double-decker bus that drives us around we've got a piper we've got a dancer and pretty much we take over downtown victoria so it's next year keep your eye out for that it's a lot of fun usually happens about the wednesday before the highland Games. so keep an eye on Ah. on on the website or on the you can also check out the victoria highland games facebook page as well it's a good place to stay up to date on activities like that as well and if the Weekend itself of the Victoria and Highland Games is not enough for you. We also have the Tartan Parade. The Tartan Parade happens the weekend before. This year, it's going to be on May 14th, and it's actually a parade from downtown Victoria from Centennial Square. We march down the street. We've got a pipe band. We've got dancers. We've got heavy events, athletes. We march down the street. I think we stop in front of the and Banker. That's where usually the pipe man will play. The heavy events athletes might dart inside for a, for a quick shot. And then we continue down to the legislature lawn where you get a chance to hear a pipe man play. You get to see dancers. And it's mm-hmm. the one time a year, only time a year where they let us show up with a caber and they let one of us turn a caber on the lawn of the legislature. So it's oh a, it's a pretty special occasion. Because any other time you try to do something like that, I'm pretty sure it would be frowned upon by legislative security team. But on this one occasion, they let us do it. And it's a special tradition each year. And I'm not sure who this year's athlete will be. I had a chance to do it back in... I want to say 2010, I think, was my time. And that's the the most pressure you'll have where you have a chance to turn a caber and you've got a really small space to do it. And you just <laughs> want to make sure you don't uh, you you want to make sure you t- actually turn the caber and, and don't make a mess of it. But if that's uh, if you want to see a bit of action, that's when when we'll be warming things up in downtown Victoria. That's on May 14th. And once again, it's, uh, I believe, 11 a.m. The parade starts at Centennial Square, marches down government for uh, a little bit of dancing and piping on the legislature lawn shortly after.
0: Super. Well, hopefully you'll have a lot of visitors that are in town, too.
1: It's usually a busy weekend. Those both (laughs) those weekends.
0: Super. It sounds like so much fun.
1: (laughs) It's coming. It's coming. We can't wait.
0: (laughs) You're like this living promotion
1: (laughs) for the games. Yeah, it's, well, it's, I can't help it. It's, it's a lot of fun. And and uh, and as you said at the start, Michelle, it's I'm just lucky that I happened to stumble upon that news review paper back in 2005.
0: Well, I think the Greater Victoria area, as well as the games, are very fortunate that you did. So thank you very much for being here today. It's been a delight. <laughs> a lot of laughs do. Uh, you're quite entertaining in your promotion of the games.
1: Well, thank you we're all volunteers and we just try to have fun with Michelle glad you've enjoyed it and and it's amazing how many people I talk to that that have no idea about our games happen if you've never been it's okay it's just as much fun as the first time or the 21st time and it's definitely a lot of fun and if you're in town that weekend we'd love to see you out at the uh, 159th Victoria Highland Games and Celtic Festival.
0: Wonderful thanks very much Carl. Thanks Michelle. This has been another episode of Amazing Places. With gratitude for our guests and listeners, I'm Michelle Seeley. Thanks for listening.